0: chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. This is going to be our anchor scripture for the entirety of this series. I'm going to focus really on one word today, uh, but I need you to go with me as we read a lot of verses so we can get the context. How many of you know context is important? Uh, What the writer of this particular letter, Paul being being the writer, what he says on the front side and the back side is really important for us to understand. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Then he says this, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life is in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, in keeping with what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, come on, that's what's happening right now. As grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Verse 16, therefore, I love this. So because of this, so Paul writes all of this stuff Those first seven to, uh, verse seven to verse 16, he writes all this and then watch what he says. He says, therefore, because of all this, because people are coming to know Jesus and because we understand that we have this gift inside of us as jars jars of clay, right? Therefore, we do not give up. We do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. And then he says this, for our momentary, Light affliction is producing, come on, shout producing this morning with me. Type it in online in the chat section, hashtag producing on Instagram. It is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Today, as we begin our new series of talks we're calling How to Survive a Pandemic, I wanna speak to you from the subject, the process of production. The process of production as we deal with assessing affliction and pain and the stuff that we're going through through the lens of what is actually producing in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time today, wherever you are at? Jesus, we love you, we thank you for this moment. We declare that you're king today, that you are Lord over our lives, that everything in you is yes and amen. And so we thank you for your word which is producing something in us today. God, we allow it to have its full work right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody shout it online and in the house today, amen yeah. and amen. Um, it's no secret that I can be impatient at times, go figure. Um, my wife is even more impatient than I am, let's just be honest about that. I'm just, I'm just playing, she's right here and she's now giving me the eye. Um, But we have a tendency in our house to be a little bit impatient. I think it's been passed down to our kids. We've noticed impatience in them. Uh, Some of it is personality. If you've ever taken the Enneagram, uh, my wife and I are both eights on the Enneagram, and so uh, things that don't come right when I want them have a tendency to bug me. Come on, anybody? am I talking to anybody online or in the house today? I can be an impatient, person, so it causes me to get hot under the collar pretty quick, and to to not like things if they go against the way that I want it to be, right how I want it to be, right? How many of you have gotten frustrated at any given moment in life because of the impatience inside of you? Come on, parents, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Your kids, they don't make life as easy as we would like it to be, so we get impatient. Our kids, they get impatient because they don't receive what it is that they want right when they... They want it. And even more so, I've noticed that this season that we have been in has pushed on my issue of impatience. Anybody else with me today? Right? Just let me know in the, in the comment section. If you're on today, say, yes, I am impatient. Let it be therapy right now. Just like, oh, I'm impatient. Right? This season has pushed against me in ways that I didn't know I could be pushed against. And the reason for it is, is because heading into this season, how many of us, come on, let's be honest, how many of us at the beginning of 2020 were like, this is gonna be the best year ever? Right, like we walked into 2020 with like just this, like, str- like this strut, this swagger, this holy swagger, where we're like, yeah, this is gonna be the best, like I'm gonna crush 2020. And then all of a sudden, 2020 crushed us. <laughs> it was like 2020 was like, ha, joke's on you, right? I think that's where we're all at right now. You know, I've, I've had some questions asked to us, like, how come you didn't start talking about this stuff, like, right at the beginning? And uh, for the, the reason is, is that for many of us, we were kind of fine at the beginning of all this, but now here we are, months and months and months into what is completely, for most of us, ruined our plans, our thoughts, our travel, our family scenarios, homeschooling, come on, somebody, is of the devil, okay? So, it's messed it all up. And so that's where this idea of how to survive a pandemic has, has come from. Because at the end of the day, the first issue that I want to deal with is the fact that things like the situations, light and momentary affliction, has a tendency to push on us in ways that we never thought possible. Right? And in this season, I've dealt with this more than I've ever realized. But here's the question I want us to grapple with today. And it's based off of the, Paul, the comment that Paul would make in Corinthians If you're taking notes today, write this down. It's gonna come up on the screen. What is currently being produced in me? I think that's the question we have to grapple with today. What is currently being produced in me? Because Paul says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us. So the situation that we're in is producing something in us. It's just the question is what? In this series, we're gonna take time to work through how to survive a pandemic. And I believe that Paul the Apostle, the one who wrote this amazing letter to the Corinthians, offers to us some very important truths in this section of Corinthians. Truths that I believe will help every single one of us, not just survive a pandemic, but really any trial, any negative circumstance, come on somebody, any storm, and any situation that rises against us. In this series, we're gonna deal with relationships our minds, our ability to endure, we will discover where joy comes from and how to sustain it. We will look at what God can and will do through suffering, and we will ultimately look at how to not give up. We will talk about how to be healthy in practical areas of our lives, physical, financial, relational, and in this series, we will discover that everything we need is in Christ, and while the situation we are facing may be hard, he has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to strengthen us, guide us, comfort us, and equip us us. We can survive a pandemic. We can survive hard situations. We can survive the things that come against us. The truth is every circumstance, every storm, every negative situation, every light and momentary affliction will produce something in us. The question is What? Come on, look at your neighbor today. If you've got a neighbor, or just talk to yourself, ask yourself this question, ask them this question What is this moment producing? Because it's producing something. In Elizabeth Elliott's classic book, Keep a Quiet Heart, she reminds us when Paul and Silas were in prison, they prayed and they sang. It isn't troubles that make us saints, but our response to troubles, she says. See, Trials tend to reveal, here's, here's, the, here's the gut shot, trials tend to reveal the entitlement in our hearts. One author put it like this, often our response to the trials in our lives reveal that we think we deserve something better. I mean, that's what it does at the end of the day. David Mathis, an executive editor for Desiring God, put it this way. When trials assault our surface pleasures, we consider afresh our sweetest treasures. And right now, in this moment, I think the thing that we are in, the situation that we're in, if we're really honest, the reason that it's hard many times and the reason that it hurts many times is because it's actually dealing with our heart more than it's dealing with our circumstance. It's revealing what we really care about. It's revealing what really anchors us. It's revealing the idols that maybe we didn't know was there. It's revealing the comforts that we care more about than the things that God may have for us. It's revealing some stuff. This is the picture that Paul the Apostle would paint for us in 2 Corinthians 4 verse seven when he would say, listen, we have this treasure in clay jars. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. The treasure Paul speaks about is the very gift that God is producing in us as we go through trials and affliction. And the issue that many of us face is that we have yet to figure out how to see our trials as something that is actually producing good in our lives. Come on, is anybody with me today? We have found ourselves so frustrated at the situation that we begin to doubt the power of the one who has authored our salvation. So this is why Paul would encourage us in Romans eight, verse 28, lots of scripture today with a very clear and succinct truth. Romans verse eight, verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And we know that part of his purpose of production is to produce in us a strong muscle of faith. A strong muscle of faith. Faith is only strong when it's exercised. Once again, David Mathis would help us with this truth as he writes this. Faith does not flourish when it lies untested. Did you hear that? Faith doesn't flourish when it lies untested. And come on, how many of us would be truthful today about this? Most of us don't. We want faith and we say we have faith except when faith is tested, then we don't like the process. But faith actually grows. Faith is developed. It's like a muscle. It works. I work it out, right? Like, that's where faith is built. When I start doing the reps of faith, all of a sudden it becomes a muscle that allows strength in me, and as I'm strengthened in my faith, the trials that come, they push against me, and they say, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. I've seen that storm before. I've walked through that storm before. I've gone through some things before. So my faith is a big muscle, and that muscle is strong enough to walk through any that's thrown at me, it's a muscle, James would remind us of this truth, James chapter one verse 12, he says, blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him, notice what he says, come on somebody, blessed is the one who endures trials, when was the last time you assessed blessed with trials? When was the last time we got up and we were like, oh, thank you, Lord, for COVID, I feel blessed? Said no one ever, right? Blessed is the one who endures trials. Why? Because the trials will produce something in us, in this case, the crown of life that God has promised So Paul, within the first few verses that we read in 2 Corinthians, that we just read this anchor scripture that we're working through, he makes four statements that show us what can be produced through affliction if we allow the Spirit of God to work and move the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to anchor us, I'm trying to create a baseline for this series. We're gonna look at these statements and then the rest of the series is gonna get really practical on a a lot of different things. I think Eric and I are gonna do some stuff together on marriage, I'm excited about that. We're gonna talk to the singles in the house, we're gonna go through all kinds of different things because here's the deal, the pandemic that we sit in, the situation that we sit in, the trial that we sit in, the light and momentary affliction that we sit in, it's producing something in us, the question is what? Is it good, is it bad, is it negative, is it positive, is it building our life, is it building our faith, or are we allowing it to destroy our life and destroy our faith? We are going to talk about what is it producing in our mind, our heart, our body, our soul, our relationships, our faith. It's producing something. But the baseline, we need to, we need to see what it can produce if we allow the Holy Spirit to work and move through situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. So we're gonna look at four statements that Paul makes at the beginning, and then uh, we're gonna equate it to kind of practical handles that we can grab a hold of. Here's the first thing. Here's the first statement he makes is a spirit of strength. Come on, somebody. Somebody flex your muscles at home. Take a picture, Instagram, at hashtag spirit of strength. <laughs> a spirit of strength, is what he says. 2 Corinthians 4, verse eight, he says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed crushed. See, Paul understood what it meant to be afflicted. He knew what it meant to face hardship as he would experience the storms of life. 2 Corinthians 1.8, 2 Corinthians 6.4-10, 2 Corinthians 11.23-27, and Galatians 4.20 are all moments where Paul would pen, and, and he would pen to paper, and he said, listen, this is what I've gone through, he would take catalog of it. he said, listen, i am gone through hardships and sickness and boat wrecks and people trying to kill me and being lowered out of, out of windows in, in baskets, people trying to throw me in prison. I've gone through a lot. Yet in and through all the things that he would face in life, he would still pen Philippians chapter four, verses 10 through 13. Can we just allow the Bible to encourage us today for a minute? This is what he says. I rejoice, in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. And then watch what he says, I don't say this out of need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. Have we done that yet? Come on, church, have we learned to be content in whatever circumstances that we have found ourselves in? Paul says he has. Paul says, I've I've learned how to do this. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. And he says, in any, in all circumstances, I have learned the secret, the secret. The shh, it's a secret. He says, I learned and have learned the secret of being content. How many of you are leaning in right now and you're like, what's the secret? Because I wanna, what is it, Paul? Watch what he says, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Here's the secret, okay? I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret. His ability to be content is by way of the fact that he has a spirit of strength, and a spirit of strength only comes through Jesus who is in me. When I invite him into my life and I give him my heart and I give him my space and I give him my place, I can do all things who strengthens me. So I can have little and I can do it. I can have a lot and I can do it. I can be in the midst of a pandemic and I know that I can do it. I can be in the midst of hell itself and I can do it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the secret, His ability to rejoice was not a personality thing. Enneagram sevens, some of you will get that joke. It was a position thing. It was not a circumstance thing. His ability to rejoice was the product of understanding who was working for him and in him. Producing something in him. He had a spirit of strength that was anchored and produced by Jesus working in him. What I want us to hear today, and what I'm really trying to drive at in this one, is that Paul was not a miss of circumstance and situation. I think so many times what we do is we read the Bible and we look at these guys and they're like, and we say things like this, maybe not out loud, but we say it in our minds, oh, he has no idea what we're dealing with now. Yes, I know. I know that Paul had his struggles, but man, he doesn't, he he did not get that text while sitting in the drive-thru of Starbucks. He has no idea what I'm going through. Yeah. <laughs> Paul no, he's got no idea that they delivered my steak well instead of medium rare in the restaurant. He has no idea what I'm going through. Come on, somebody. Oh, he has an idea. He's gone through some stuff. I would argue that they have gone through some stuff a whole lot more than we have. See, Paul would live and work and lead in a time that was hostile, antagonistic, violent, towards this new way, this third way known as Christianity. In his book, Resilient Faith, author, Gerald L. Sister, would write concerning the relationship of Rome and Christianity. Watch what he says. He says, at first, it largely ignored and dismissed it, critical of its often exaggerated and misunderstood peculiarities. Then it ramped up opposition, which included mostly local or regional persecution of various kinds. In the end, he writes, this is such a powerful statement, he says, in the end, it turned on it violently as if blasting shrill music to drown out the new song of Christianity. See, this would be the backdrop of Paul's life and faith and ministry, not to mention the addition of all the other issues that he would face friend and foe, disease and famine. To be afflicted is not a new position. And so we have the counsel of God's word, the ministry of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to produce in us a spirit of strength that enables us, like Paul, to say, no matter what I face, whether I'm high or am I low, whether I have everything or I have nothing, or I'm in the midst of a pandemic because of the spirit of God in my life, because of him who is working in me to produce something, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. So the first thing that he talks about is a spirit of strength. Here's the second one, second spirit that we have is a spirit of discernment. Spirit of discernment. Second Corinthians four He says this: We are perplexed, but not in despair. Come on, somebody. We are perplexed. Come on, show of hands right now for those of you who are in the house and online today. Show of hands. how many of you have been perplexed in the past few months. Where you wake up perplexed, I wake up confused. Every day, I'm confused, what is going on? You hop on the news, what's next, what's happening? I'm perplexed, but Paul says we are perplexed but not in despair. Here's a great working definition for discernment. The sound judgment, Right. this is according to the accessible and comprehensive tool for topical studies, big book. Dictionary Bible themes. The sound judgment which makes makes possible the distinguishing of good from evil and the recognition of God's right ways for his people. Discernment is given by God through his Holy Spirit. It is received through God's word and through the insight of a renewed mind. Discerning believers seek to grow in their understanding and knowledge of God's truth. Here's my working definition. It's a little bit shorter, (laughs) It helps me. Discernment is what keeps us from despair when we find ourselves in disorienting realities. Discernment is what keeps us from despair when we find ourselves in disorienting realities. That's why Paul would write in Romans chapter 12, verses one through two, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, in view of what God has done, for, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but transformed by the renewing of my mind, so that then what? When my mind is renewed, when I when I give God my mind, this is what happens. I may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter four, listen, we have a spirit of discernment. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. I may be confused for a moment, but the God of all good is with me. And because I'm discerning, I can navigate disorienting moments. I can walk on water in the midst of my storms Why, because I'm discerning and I understand where God has taken me and I can discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Paul's encouragement to each of us is that when we face moments, this is the one we are all in right now. That we have the ability to pull ourselves from despair because we have a spirit of discernment working in us. And I think more than ever, we need to be operating with discernment. Come on, can I get an amen in church today? I need discernment. I can tell you right now, this is like a therapy moment for me. Now we have a therapist in the room, so he'll talk to me afterwards probably. So, <laughs> Erica and I have been more perplexed in this past six months of our lives than I think in many mo- maybe the past year. <laughs> Let's just be truthful for a second. I have found myself perplexed. That's why this piece of scripture ministers to me so much because I, I'm I like, I, Paul, I understand what you're saying. Perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed, but not in despair. And I know what it means to be perplexed and in despair. i found myself in despair before. i found myself literally lost, you can ask people who are close to me, lost. Legitimately lost, in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Mainly due to my fault. And I found myself lost, and how many of you know the anxiety that creeps up in you when you're lost? See, this is what Paul's talking about. And and many times, a pandemic or a storm or a situation or light momentary affliction, what it has a tendency to do is make us feel so lost that what happens is we start to draft from perplexed and confused to despair. And what we do in despair is dangerous. We will walk places that we shouldn't walk because we're in despair. We will go to things that we shouldn't go to because we are in despair. We will think things that we shouldn't think because we are in despair. We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about our mental capacity and what's going on in our minds in moments like this because for many of us right now, for many of us watching and online today and even in the house today, listen, you have felt and are feeling despair. And I just wanna declare over your life, it is fine to be perplexed, but let's not find ourselves in despair. And the difference between perplexed and despair is discernment. I can be perplexed, but when I'm working with discernment, when I'm allowing the Spirit of God to work in me, then all of a sudden I can discern, I can understand where I'm I'm at. Discernment is a gift that's developed and exercised. You see, the decisions that we have in front of us have very real consequences and very real ramifications. And the spirit of discernment operating in us is what gives us the strength and the ability to not enter into despair. Yeah, we may be perplexed, but you know what? I'm not in despair because I'm operating with a spirit of discernment. Come on, can I get an amen online today? Anybody who needs some discernment in their lives. Here's the third thing that Paul tells us about. He says we have a spirit of confidence. Come on, we got a spirit of confidence. 2 Corinthians 4, 9, he says we are persecuted, but not abandoned. I love that. He says we are persecuted, we are beat up, we got stuff coming against us, but we are not abandoned. The beginning of COVID, we got a COVID puppy. Uh We named him Scout, Justice named him Scout. He's a German short-haired pointer. He's got all the energy in the world about at least seemingly right now, the inability to control any of his faculties whatsoever. <laughs> he trips over himself, he runs through the house, and it's like bull in a china shop. And I said to myself, I'm very honest, this is like just, a, just to my wife, you were right, I was wrong. I said to myself, because I'm a dude, I will train this puppy. I'll train this puppy. I'll get him right. Now, I gotta be honest with you, I've never trained a puppy before. I've never trained a dog before, right? I like looking at him. They're fun, and I love dogs who are well-behaved. Other than that, I've never got them there on my own, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're like, if the puppy can be pre-packaged, well-behaved, that would be awesome. So I get this puppy, and we're trying to, and, and I've got him to learn how to sit, and calm is still a something, and we've got him kennel trained and he doesn't go to the bathroom in the house so that's a win for the parish family but other than that it's kind of crazy right now we have chickens in our backyard y'all my house got nuts during this covid season like we survived a pandemic by buying animals and so we got these chickens in the back, and mind you, this is a bird dog that we're talking about. He's a German short haired pointer. So, in his blood, innate inside of him, his head, he sees bird, he goes to death. Like, that's where he wants to go. He wants to attack the chickens, and then we learned something about him. He just wants to break into the chicken coop and sit with them. That's what he's doing right now. <laughs> it's weird, it's wild. So, he's broken down the chicken coop. Our, our chicken coop is in shambles because he keeps on breaking into it, but he just sits there with the chickens. <laughs> and he just sits with the chickens. So, so we decided, no, Erica decided that we were going to puppy training. So we were at puppy training yesterday. Family shows up, all these people with their dogs, and uh, the lady gets us all in a circle. Now, mind you, I'm already frustrated, okay, because my dog's pulling on me, and I don't have the right leash, and, and, and I'm already in my mind going like, man, I should have been able to train this puppy, so you're working through all that stuff. And, and so we start the puppy training class, and I kid you not, all it was was just walking in circles around cones with this puppy who's like bouncing up and down. He's just all over the place. He's pulling on me. He wants to go play with these other dogs. And I'm thinking in my head, like how many of you know how you have that inner self dialogue where you're like, this is stupid. Just the dog wants to play with other dogs. You can't train that out of a dog. He just wants to have fun. Look at him. He just wants to have fun. You expect him to walk in a circle with all of these other people? Look at the little mini dog right by me. He wants to kill that one and he wants to play with that one, right? So this is what's going through my mind. I'm frustrated. Dog's all over the place. And then we keep on going. We keep on going, she tells us to do something, so we do it, and then we keep on going. She keeps on directing us, she keeps on going stuff, and all of a sudden, I start to get more confidence. That's weird, and all of a sudden, because I'm confident, my dog starts to change. He starts walking with me, right? And then how many of you know, because I'm a dude inside, I'm going like, man, I'm so good, look at this, right? (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) So this dog's like going around in circles with me and everything like that. And we get to the end of the training. We're the last two, me and this other girl, because we were the first newbies, where we were the only newbies in the class. And we get to the end of the training, first session. My dog's sitting there, kind of chill, sitting next to me. And Erica makes this comment as he's sitting next to me. She says, look how regal he's sitting right now. He was, he was sitting back, his chest was up, his chin was back, looked like this good German short-haired pointer, muscles like his owner. <laughs> I, just, I just playing. <laughs> you just gotta throw that in every now and then, right? And he's sitting there, and Erica's like, look how regal he's sitting, and this is what I felt like God spoke to my heart yesterday. Confidence is the knowledge of who is leading you. We don't have a spirit of confidence in the things that we are going through because of us. We have a spirit of confidence because of who we know is leading us. So Paul says we're persecuted, and then he uses this word, but not abandoned. Notice that. Notice we are persecuted, but not abandoned. In other words, he's telling us, we've got somebody leading us. We have somebody with us. Confidence is not found in isolation, but rather in community with Christ. So that's why Paul writes 2 Corinthians 3 4 through 5. This is just a few, a chapter earlier. He says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. My confidence is from God. My ability to stand in the midst of persecution and disease and hunger and a pandemic and any other thing that I'm facing right now, it is not because I have the ability, but rather because of God in me, because of God leading me. He is with me. I stand. confident. My confidence comes from who's leading me, not because I'm leading me. And I loved it, my dog, he was just, as I was confident. Because what happened is his confidence was transferred by way of the confidence that his owner was exemplifying. And come on, how many of you would agree with me? We have a confident God. (laughs) Why? Because he is All-powerful, all-sufficient. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he sits at the right hand of heaven and he intercedes for us. And he says, come on, take up residence in my spirit. Take up residence in my grace. That is where you find your confidence. That is where you find what you need. Me in you. You can stand with your chest up and your chin back going, come on, pandemic. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, come on, somebody. I can stand. I have the spirit of confidence. Not arrogance, confidence. The spirit of confidence is ultimately an overcoming spirit. It's what allows us strength to stand in the midst of every storm that we face. Here's the the fourth and last one. Last statement that Paul makes. Watch what he says, that we have a spirit, I love this one, we have a spirit of resurrection. We have a spirit of resurrection. 2 Corinthians 4 9 through 10 says this. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Watch what, he, watch what he says. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life, the resurrection life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. In other words, we have a spirit of resurrection. Romans chapter eight, verse 11 tells us this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Can I tell you that you survive a pandemic, that you survive trials, that you survive storms, that you survive the frustrating parts of life when we realize that we can and will get a up from this. I am struck down, but I am not destroyed. I am beat down, but I am not destroyed. Why? Because I have a spirit of resurrection. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me. And so you can push me down and I'm going to get back right up. The devil can push me down and I'm going to get right back up. Addiction can push me down and I'm going to get right back up. COVID can change things, but I'm going to get right back up. As Christ followers, we should not be afraid of that which is new. We should not be afraid of that which is different. We should not be afraid of that which we lose. Why, because I have the spirit of resurrection. You have the spirit of resurrection that's what I love about Paul you can see the humanity let's go let's go back to that last that last statement a spirit of resurrection let's go to the scripture in 2nd Corinthians 4 I want you to see what it says I love the humanity in this he's he's admitting it he's saying "Listen, I'm struck down have you ever met the Christian that runs around saying that they've never been struck down you ever met that person before and then we carry this thing, that say, I have Jesus, I've never been struck down. No, 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 you're lying. You have been struck down. Because there's this thing inside of us as Christ followers many times, especially in the church over, over history, is that we don't like to admit the struck down moments. But here's the thing about it, this is what I love about Paul, is he makes all these statements, but especially this one, he says, listen, I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I've been beat down, but I'm I'm not destroyed. I made it to shore. I'm broken pieces of a ship, but I'm not destroyed. I've been placed in prison, but I'm not. Destroyed. I've been left beaten and naked, but I am not destroyed. I have been left hungry and without friends and isolated and alone in the middle of the wilderness, but I am not destroyed. I have faced COVID, and I have faced job loss, and I have faced health situations, and I have faced all kinds of issues in my world. I am struck down, but I am not destroyed. Why? Because I have the spirit of resurrection in me. I have the same spirit that got Jesus out of the grave. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I love watching the fights where they're like, stay down right, the movies, and then the music plays in the background. He's like, just stay down, just stay down. And he's like, no, uh-uh, I won't stay down. And his face is mangled and he's beat to tar, but he gets right back up and pop pop, pop pop He gets punched again and again, and he's struck down, but he's not destroyed. That's a spirit of resurrection. Can I just tell you today, if you don't hear anything else in this message, oh, I just wanna, I just wanna say some stuff today. Get back up, don't stay down, rise up again, get up off the couch, get up off the space that you find yourself in, get up. I'm struck down. I'm not destroyed. And the presence of God is in this place right now. It's in your home right now. And you may be down. You may be battling with your mind. You may be battling with your heart. You may be battling with your soul. You may be asking yourself, I don't know where the money's gonna come from and I don't know how they're gonna heal this and I don't know if I'm ever gonna get to do this again and I don't know if I'm gonna get my job back and I don't know 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 and I would tell you there is a lot of I don't knows, but I'm not destroyed. today for some of us. Spirit of resurrection first starts when we accept the one who authored resurrection. When we say to Jesus the one who got up out of the grave, take over my life. The only way to get up is to believe in the one who got up. Otherwise we're just doing it in our power and at a certain point you will be struck down and you will be destroyed. But in Jesus, I have a spirit of resurrection and I can get up out of anything that looks like a grave because the one who first got up out of the grave lives in me.